0: The R&B Solutionist Thinking Podcast Series. For the creative minds with a passion for possibility. Hosted by Bruce Whitfield. Well, this week's solutionist thinker studied a classic PPE, politics, philosophy, and economics. But really, he wanted to be in broadcasting. He dabbled a bit on the radio, did some TV shows, worked as a private banker, and even helped build the slow lounges. Today, he's helping talented young people get great
1: jobs. His name is Andrew Levy. We are not born equal. We will never be equal in this country because of our past. But what we can do is work towards giving everyone equal opportunities in order to strive, to succeed and to reach their full potential. That's what I believe in as a South African.
0: I'm Bruce Whitfield and you are listening to Solutionist Thinking brought to you by RMB. Let's talk about Umuzi. Umuzi is your academy. you worked in education, you have dabbled in education with Fred Swanica, who's I understand has created the Africa Leadership Network, and you've, I think, quite inspired by him. But like many people who look at creating jobs in South Africa and creating opportunities in South Africa, they go to the bottom of the pyramid to mm. try and create a high volume mm. of decent but low-paying jobs to get the maximum number of people employed. You're looking at the top of that pyramid
1: long ago when we left private school and we left the it's all about the numbers um, we started to look into what does output versus outcomes mean and for me Outcomes is much more important than output. I'd far rather have 50 young people that are rocking and rolling in high-value spaces than 5,000 that we don't even know if that job will exist tomorrow. And I think that's the big thing. We look at high-value jobs at Amuzi because we really see them as the jobs of the future. Coding is not going away as much as it freaks me and probably you out. Things like data analytics is not going away. It's becoming more prevalent with the likes of Facebook google and amazon using it heavily and these are the jobs of the future that we need to train our young people to be prepared for things like call center agents hospitality or retail they're going to be replaced in a couple of years and we're going to have a big question mark as south africa as a society going well what do we do with all these young people who've been in low-skilled jobs because it helped with the numbers and now find themselves nowhere Tell
0: me about Umuzi then and the process you go through to help these young people onto a path of hopefully great careers.
1: Bruce, one of the things that we've realized in the nine years that we've been working is that exposure is the starting point. A lot of young, highly talented people aren't exposed enough to the opportunities out there. So we've built platforms and websites showcasing to young people what high-value jobs look like and what people who take up those jobs look like. Because that's the other thing. When when people see Bruce and they're like, oh, Bruce is so amazing, but I could never be like Bruce. Well, we showcase people who are on their path to being the next Bruce and what they've gone through. So exposure is the first thing. And then we take them through an application process where they apply online to a specific space that we have. And there they've got to do a whole bunch of online tests. And after that, if they get through that, they go through traditional interviews with our managers. So we don't have any educators or facilitators. We have managers because it's a very much an on-the-job kind of uh, program. And if they get through that, they go to a boot camp where we see them in situ working on a live brief. And from that, we choose the final Muzi recruits, as we call them. And just to give you a sense of numbers, we recruit four times a year. In the first uh, recruitment round of this year, we had over 5,200 people applying for only 42 positions it's a massive challenge that we have there's a lot of young people who want to reach their full potential and just are getting locked out of traditional um, spaces once you get into once you're one of the chosen 42 what happens then (laughs) so (laughs) then you go through a uh, (laughs) you become part of a product team and i'm not sure how much you know about product teams but it's very much the unit of productivity of the future, Google, Facebook, they all use them. And basically, it's creating a skills group or network of people that can work on a specific product for an entire year. And they work on that because what we've realized, the insight, and I don't know if it's the same for you, but for me, I get tons of CVs that say cool things like BCom PPE from UCT. But actually, I want to see what you've done, what you've achieved. And so at the end of the year, once you've worked in these product teams with a manager on a specific live job you come up with something which is i have actually worked on something i have experience on something that's what we like to show our employers so we support these young people once they've finished with us for a year where they're working in these product teams they then get supported to get into high value careers
0: who defines the products who defines that is that a, the commercial arm of a Mousy? are you developing and creating product to offset the cost then of putting young people through these programs
1: What's that's that? a great question so a few answers to that. We define it because I think what we've realized is that we're looking into how can we support and add value to society at large. And we believe that the products we've chosen add value to society. And we use a very human centered approach in order to figure that out. But the good news is that some of these things are getting a bit more mature. Some of these products, one of them being what is a product? So let me give an example. Uh, one of our most mature products is called a Muzy stock and it's a, st- a local stock library um, where our people our places and our stories are being told because people need stock images and stock videos for all sorts of presentations for for social media campaigns. You're but the Getty images. We are of the lo- South exactly, exactly. And it's incredible how underrepresented South Africans are. The great of the story is: you go to agencies and they say there's one black family on Shutterstock. Um, it's an African-American family, and everyone has to do their best to try and comp it, to change colors on it so that it looks like a different picture. But effectively, it's the same one picture. We're trying to change this completely, and we're trying to also provide value to our alumni of content creators who can now put their pictures up, sell them, and get some passive income as well. So that's one of our products that we're spinning out at the moment. It will give a little bit of um, sustainability to the organization. But the truth is our biggest sustainable arm is working with corporates to effectively invest in their talent pipeline so how we do this is we have a learnership program that's how our program is structured and it basically government incentivizes companies to invest in unemployed youth in order to build their talent pipeline so they get sars rebates they get points and they can even apply to their seaters for money
0: does a corporate come to you and say we're looking for a three thousand call center agents over the next three years Provide them, please? Are we looking for a thousand coders over the next three years? Whatever the case <laughs> So, might a be. big
1: CEO said to us in a very, very um, proper English accent, he said, India is doing 20 million coders a year. How can South Africa not do 2 million coders a year? And we said, well, we just don't have the numbers that India has. But We don't have the numbers, we don't have the maths, we don't
0: have the science. I mean, Chris Becker, you talk to him and you say to him, why are you not investing in South Africa and the talent that you're investing in India is that the raw material just isn't there. We're not getting the caliber of kids, the volume of kids through the schooling system to provide the raw material to create the opportunities.
1: So I think the raw potential is there. Mm -hmm. However, we as Corporate South African citizens are not doing our part in order to really take that raw potential and turn it into something worthwhile. You know, you mentioned. Is is it the job of corporate South Africa
0: to take the raw potential and
1: turn it into something useful,
0: or is this raw potential being let down?
1: I think it's everyone's job and everyone's role. I think you're absolutely right to point the finger back at government and say, hey, what are you doing with our education? But it's very easy just to point fingers, right? Affluent South Africans I've found over the years have gone, no, it's not our job to get involved in that. That government was sought out, you know. And and does that make South Africa better at the end of the day? No.
0: This is the solution as part of this. We have a problem. We have a pipeline of talent that goes ignored. And we can choose to continue ignoring that talent
1: or we can embrace the problem. Well, exactly. And solve it. And it, it's so interesting to, to really observe South Africans, specifically elite and middle class South Africans, who are, everything is based out of fear. They're so afraid to get involved and get stuck in because of what? Who knows? Their job might be replaced? I have no idea. But I mean, you're better than this than I am. In a capitalist society, it's all about consumerism, right? We need to create demand, which means we need more people making money, which means we need more people who are at a higher value space. And the only way to do that is if we start investing in the talent that we have the good news is there is so much talent, Bruce, out there that is just getting left behind. 66% of Amuzi recruits that go through our programs have had some kind of tertiary education but haven't finished. Now, a corporate looking for those signalers, those traditional signalers, will look at a CV and say, Andrew Levy, PCOM, you know, that's great. He's done that. Fantastic. Now we'll take him to the next level. When you have no piece of paper, then you just like well i'm not interested in you get to the back of the line but we're leaving these amazing people behind just because they couldn't pay for the final fees to get their certificate their their degree what was the
0: motivation for starting a museum
1: as a young white born jewish male in south africa i was the i was the epitome of privilege and I was very much in a beautiful bubble. And we Muzi started as a photo club, funny enough, all those years ago. And uh, we used to teach photography in townships in order for young people to tell their own stories. And I think through that, my bubble was burst, that the South Africa that I lived in was not the South Africa. And I know this sounds stupid and trite because you hear the headlines, but until you live it, you never really get to engage with it. You, we as South Africans are great at desensitizing. So once I started going through this process, I was like, well, surely I should do everything I can in order to build an opportunity for young people to have the same experiences and opportunities that I did. And that's all I'm trying to do. We are not born equal. We will never be equal in this country because of our past. But what we can do is work towards giving everyone equal opportunities in order to strive to succeed and to reach their full potential that's what i believe in as a south african what was that aha moment for you then when i was 16 i was coming back from an extra maths class extra
0: maths because you were bad or extra maths because you were so good
1: (laughs) no it was unfortunately because i was so bad (laughs) just for the record just for the record yeah you're really exposing me here bruce um but um, I saw a man get shot in the street for stealing a magazine, and uh, it happened right in front of me. And it was just this weird moment of, how is it possible that someone just, in my world, in 2000 and whatever it was at the time, got shot for a magazine what kind of a world are we living in and that was the moment where I was like something's wrong so then I went into banking which is completely the opposite spectrum right it's all about capitalism it's about making money you know you think you, you've you arrived when you've made your clients X amount and you get a bonus of X and you think you're great so you can buy your car and I just looked past the four walls in Santon one day and realized this is not the world that I want to live in there's so much more than just money to be made if you open the door If you allow yourself into that space, it's a richer narrative and it's a richer experience. And that's what I felt. I've got less money now, but I feel like I'm richer for it. You were in
0: banking at a time where the bank that you worked for had a bunch of young guys with big knots in their (laughs) tires. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and flashy suits and flashy cars and Mont Blanc pens. That's
1: right. Exactly. And the Mont
0: Blanc pens. Fantastic. Uh, uh, all showing off terribly. Um, you went through that phase. You tried your hand at broadcasting. Tell me about the slow lounges. I mean, a, a concept, again, privileged South Africans get to enjoy with yeah. access, get
1: to enjoy the slow lounges. Absolutely. So I think what what this whole you know resume shows you in some way or form is that I have access to what I call social capital. So I worked with Fred at the African Leadership Network and the ALA because he was one of my clients at the bank. I worked with Jamie Clyde and Heidi Brower at Slow Lounges because they were my clients at the bank. And what it meant was I did such a good job as a banker that they invested in me as a young person to support them and their causes. I think that there's an opportunity to create more social capital for more people in order to do better and to do more. So, the slow lounges was a great opportunity i was working with entrepreneurs at the bank i saw all the mistakes that they made and then realized hey maybe i can get into this and so on the the eve of the 2010 world cup resigned and all the banks like what are you gonna do now how are you gonna survive and i was like i don't know i'm gonna figure it out you know and my clients phoned me and said hey do you want to get involved in some projects and that's how i got involved in slow in the city specifically jamie called me and said We want to create a space where business people who are slightly off the corporate track can have a space where they can have meetings, where they can do business productively. And I think I learned a hell of a lot through that experience. But one of the biggest things was that social capital is absolutely crucial in a society like ours. Explain this concept of social capital. It has many different uh, definitions for many different people, but the way I see it is that I... Because of the networks that I have, have access to opportunities, have access to resources, and have access to legitimacy. And these are the three, I think, pillars of social capital is to say that I know Bruce. So Bruce knows that there's an internship coming up at Cape Talk or 702. He'll put my name forward. Bruce is my dad. He has an old laptop that he got from his corporate. I get the laptop so I can get onto the Internet. It's the stuff. That it's people it's the with stuff. privilege take for granted. Absolutely, it is completely veiled in ignorance. Um, you don't realise that it's going on until it happens, and that's why it's very difficult. You know, I suppose for those that have and those that have traditionally are white people in South Africa to realise the capital that they have they're like i worked hard for my money yes you did but you worked in a system that worked for you you know (laughs) and that's good that you worked hard for your money and no one's taking that away from you but we must just recognize where we are and what privileges we have and those that don't have those privileges and what can we do to potentially support them in order to gain privileges that we have there's no loss here it's not a win-lose it's a gain gain i suppose that's what i try and tell people when they talk to me about these things.
0: So Umuzi then goes and has got this massive ambitious goal, one person at a time, or 10, 20, or 40 people at a time mm. to change the world.
1: Yeah. I've always been a, a rule breaker and an idealist, and I think those things really help me when thinking about challenges like this. Unemployment in South Africa is massive. 6.6 million people are unemployed, as you know from all the stats that are thrown at you in the news. And... Changing the needle on that means a hell of a lot of things. But I believe that if we think carefully through this and we think carefully through how we can do it, then it's not all about the numbers. It's about how much value to the individual and society we actually give. Let me give you an example. Call center agent, right? Fantastic. You've got a job. It's important to have a job. It gives some dignity. They earn around 72,000 Rand a year, over 40 years of lifetime working They'll earn about 6 million rand in lifetime's earnings, of which half a million will be a contribution towards tax because they're under the tax threshold, they're into jobs, they exit jobs and so on. So it's about half a million. A developer, which we're training for, started about 120,000 and can go anywhere up to a million to 1.5 million at the end of their careers. They're earning a lifetime's earning potential of about 25 million with a contribution to tax of about 6 million rand. The numbers are, are staggering. And when you look at it like that, it changes the picture completely. It means that we, we as South Africa need to invest in these high-value, high-potential young people first to get them over the line, to get them adding value not only to themselves as individuals, but to society as well. I mean, our tax base is $5 million strong. We have more unemployed young people in South Africa than our tax base. We've got problems, people. <laughs> We've got serious challenges. But the idealist says that we can do something about it. How do you scale, Musi? There's a number of ways. I think the the biggest way is that we need to talk to more people like you and to corporates in big positions to say, come on this journey with us, let us support you in investing in your talent pipeline so that as you say, it's not just twenty or forty, it's a hundred and it's a thousand. We've created a model that is scalable. Because of this product team approach, it means that you don't have to be like, well, we can only have a certain amount of people go through our programs because it's one to the one, you know, type thing. In a product team, you work towards a goal of something with a manager. It means that we can scale this throughout the country. We're already recruiting throughout the country. It's now about pulling it and moving us into a different space. So I think it's about meeting with the right people who see the writing on the wall and see the opportunities and saying we could potentially be part of that solution. How much time do
0: we waste in South Africa (laughs) tilting tilting at windmills, reinventing the wheel? There are... So many projects, all noble in their intent, all with varying degrees of success or failure.
1: Look, I think there's a few things. The first thing is, as much as I'm an idolist, I'm also a pragmatist, there needs to be a thousand Amuzis in order to solve the unemployment problem, which means we need a number of solutions. In answer to your question, I think we are wasting a lot of time. There's a lot of egos at stake at the moment. There's a lot of people who are putting their names in the hats and saying, we're starting something and then it fails, and then they're like, well, we spent so much money and nothing came out of it. Well, there's a lot of good things going on at the moment. There's a lot of initiatives that really work and have proven to work. Invest in those initiatives. It
0: strikes me that very often we intent on reinventing the wheel rather than learning from the lessons of those who have got scars on their backs.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's funny that government is saying that this youth unemployment campaign is – is one of the only and first campaigns that they've ever done. That's rubbish. We had the NDP, literally Trevor Manuel launched that five years ago, six years ago. We had gear before that. We just need to do our work and think. We need to research. We need to really empathize with young people that are going through this. It's great to talk the talk and speak the numbers and say good things at good breakfasts that are hosted by you. But what are young people going through right now? And how do we solve for them? And how do we solve with them? not for them, with them. I think that's the most important thing. Andrew Levy, he is the founder of Umuzi, and
0: Umuzi seeks to put young people into great jobs in South Africa. His philosophy on tackling South Africa's multiple crises. r solutionist thinking. For more on this series, visit 702.co.za.